Good morning, Friendship Church. Is this this on? Yes? Yes, okay, good. I was afraid of operator error. Uh, Good to be back. You've had three weeks of reprieve, uh, and now you have me back for uh, the month of August. I'm just glad uh, to be back here with my family. And uh, if you don't know me, there's three things I need you to know about me. I am a rescued follower of Jesus Christ. I'm trying to live my life by this book. Today, that'll become very obvious uh, to you. And I am crazy about my wife. And uh, so today, we're talking about the church. You've talked about the church being a building. You've talked about the church being a body. Uh, You've maybe talked about the church being a mystery. We love the local church in Prior Lake and Shakopee called Friendship Church. Karen and I love this church. Uh, Let me wax nostalgic for the sake of the message uh, for just a a few minutes. Uh, When we came to Friendship Church, we we, we, we were attenders. We didn't get called here. Uh, We didn't come as youth pastors. We came, we walked across the cornfield. It was a court closest church to our house. We woke up on Sunday morning. Karen said, where are we going to go? I hadn't done my homework. And uh, so I said, well, we'll go across the cornfield to this little Baptist church up on the hill. And we walked in and we came back to Friendship Church. The preaching was magnificent. The teaching was magnificent. And the people at Friendship welcomed us in the door. They didn't know who we were. They said, but it was a friendly church. I hear about Friendship through the years. People who visit say, we love that church because they are, as their name says, they are friendly. And uh, it became family. Friendship Church became our family in the youth ministry. There were uh, a, a band of brothers, men and women, who joined with us and gave their lives for the students every other Sunday night for 15 years. We met together as a group of adults to pray for your young people. Karen and I still meet with many of the members of that group. We've met with them for over 20 years in a small group every other Friday night. Uh, they're our family. Those, we, we, we text each other uh, when there's a need in our life to pray for each other when there's a crisis, when we need something. They are our family, that small group that grew up in friendship. You are the people, Joe Wilgen sitting right down here. And Joe, the first thing I got listed on here, three times I've taken groups of people to India. Joe Wilgen went with me on my very first trip. You are my brother. We are family. Today we're talking about the picture of the church being family. Three times you, we took your young people uh, to Mexico. Mike Golay sitting over here on one of the first trips to Mexico. Mike Golay is going down there with me. And uh, we are family. 20 times at least you have gone with me to Haiti. Uh, you are my brothers. You're my band of brothers. Uh, almost 20 times. Megan sitting over here. Again, you have to hear this, Megan. She was in the first service. But over 20 times, uh, Karen has taken groups uh, to the Czech Republic, and Megan's with, been with us a zillion of those 20 times, a bunch of those. You are our family uh, that we go to with. Uh, we raised our children 
at Friendship Church. When we moved to Friendship, Thomas was in second grade, Jennifer was in kindergarten, and, and Christy was in diapers. And, uh, and our kids all graduated from high school as part of Friendship Church. You helped us raise our family. Uh, you are so much, so significant in our life. There was a man at Friendship Church who, knowing the salary of a youth pastor, and you were generous, but youth pastors don't make a lot of money, knowing the salary of a youth pastor every Christmas, the pastor would walk up with an unsigned envelope and he would hand it to us and say, this is from a family in the church that just wants the gold family to be blessed and there was five $100 bills in it. Well, my wife has always insisted, one of her mandates is, our family will have a week-long vacation every year. We didn't have money for a vacation, but every Christmas, this member of our brothers, this band of brothers, this man caring about us would give us the money, and that $500 is what our family had for vacation. We had a family vacation because of Friendship Church every year. Um, Most of you have heard me talk uh, about sin in my life. When when I became a Christian, the night I became a Christian, God immediately ripped two sins out of my life. Things that I struggled with. And the night I became a Christian, they were gone. You know what I'm talking about? You know how God just takes those out of your life and they are no more. And I never struggle with them. But there were some that God didn't take immediately out of my life. Do you know what I'm talking about? Would you like to confess though? No, we won't do that. Uh, But there there were things I struggled with all my Christian life. And I'd get victory for two weeks. I'd get victory for two months. I'd get victory for six months. I'd get victory for two days. But one particular sin... I struggled with closet, private, no one knew about it, Uh, but I went to our pastor and said, pastor, I don't want to live with this anymore. Now, he could have said, and I know pastors who had, you're gone, clean out your office, don't get and get out of here. Our pastor said, well, Mark, let's get help. And, uh, and God miraculously made a synapse that we called the right counselor. And I went to see him and he said, Mark, if you do what I tell you to do, you'll not struggle with that sin again. I'll give you two weeks and you won't struggle with that sin. I laughed at him because I'd struggled with this for decades. And, uh, and, and he says, so I did what he said. I called one of you on the phone. And I said, would you be willing to have a cup of coffee with me? And he said, and this guy said, Mark, I've been praying for six years that you would call me for a cup of coffee. I wanted to say, I've struggled with sin for six years while you prayed that I'd make this phone call. Why didn't you call me? And uh, we went out for two hours and we were just transparent and honest. And God took the hook, that flesh hook, out of my life and restored it. And this man and I have met together every Friday morning. We added three other men to the group who are just honest. We, we just tell each other the truths about our life and we pray for each other. Friendship is my family. Friendship is my band of brothers who walk with me and are part of that. Friendship Church is the church that said yes 
When I came to the pastors and said, and the elders, and I said, can we have interns? They said, yes. Can we have REM? And and we had over 150 interns here, full time, uh, under me and under Jim. As Friendship Church is a church of yes. Uh, we had, we've been to over 70 rural churches to help them with rims. As Friendship Church said, yes, for 12 years, we worshiped at the high school, at Prior Lake High School, with the youth group because there wasn't room at the other church. And because it became a place that we could reach people for Christ. You are my brothers. You are my sisters. This is the church of yes. And that's what we're talking about today is that we need a family that walks with us and walks with us together. Uh, I am, by nature, a user. I find, what can that thing do for me? And I became a Christian in the university, not as part of a church. So churches weren't a natural for me. Uh, I began to go to a lot of churches every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night. I would go to a different church to suck out of that church what I could, they'd say, hey, Mark, would you come speak? Would you come speak? Wouldn't you come speak? And I would go to those churches to give as a user. And after six months of not having any clue, any respect, any love for the local church, I moved to upstate New York to a small rural church just for the summer. I stayed there for three years. And the pastor there loved the word of God and taught me out of the word of God. And I remember one Sunday morning after I'd been there a couple weeks, I didn't feel like going to church. And I'm not trying to be legalistic with this talk, uh, but I didn't feel like, so I said to him, I've been saying this for six months, I don't feel like going to church. And so I said to my pastor, I don't feel like going to church today. And he was a large man, this is figurative, but it felt like this. He picked me up by my lapels and he stuck me against the wall. And I'm going, what are you doing? We're just talking about Sunday morning. We're just talking about, uh, at that particular church, an hour and a half long service. Uh, and, 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 and And he said, you don't understand the Bible. What? I want to. He said, the local church is God's plan for your life involvement. Look at the Bible, he said. The local church is God's plan for how he wants to use you. Now, you've heard the hand, the eyeball, the ear, the nose, and we saw it again this morning. But he said the local church is God's plan for you. Take a look at the scriptures, and you look at every letter written. Many of them are written to particular local churches. Not the church but to the band of brothers in Ephesus, to the band of brothers in Thessaloniki, to the band of brothers in Philippi, to the local churches in Galatia. Look at Revelation, and the seven churches of Revelation are seven bands of brothers, local churches gathered together. Look at the book of Acts. It's the history of God planting local congregations, men and women who view each other as family. We are important to each other. We're not users. We don't go and suck out what we can get. We go and say, I need you. 
and we go and we give. So the scripture that we look at this morning in Ephesians, in context, is about the church in Ephesus. Because in the church in Ephesus, there are a whole bunch of pagan Gentiles, okay? And there are a whole bunch of Jews, and they don't like each other. And so Paul's writing to the brothers together in Ephesus, and he says, we've got great news. We are all here underneath the cross of Christ. We're all here worshiping together. We've all been redeemed by the same blood of Christ and want to be part of what's going on here. So that's the context. He says uh, in verse 19, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens. And he uses this word about strangers and aliens. Look around. That would fit us, wouldn't it? Look at these strangers and aliens in this room. Haven't you ever had that thought when you saw somebody walk into friendship? Now there's an alien. Anyway, he said, but we're no longer that. We're a band of brothers. We are citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. We're built on the foundation of the apostles. Ten of the eleven apostles, church history tells us, took a spear or took a crucifixion or died for the gospel, loving each other. We're built on that foundation. A group of people who love Jesus so much that they're willing to die. Of the prophets, the last prophet recorded in the Bible is John the Baptist, who is beheaded for the message. That's the foundation that we have. He goes on to say, built on the foundation of the apostle and prophet, Christ Jesus himself is the chief cornerstone of Friendship Church. So the foundation that we have, the apostles, the prophet, prophets, and and, and Jesus Christ is our cornerstone, in whom this whole structure being joined together. And we begin with a teaching this morning that says, when you come to Friendship Church, church, Band of brothers, you are joined together. You're put together. You have a place. You, 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 you are these people who will die for each other. And I think uh, about, sorry, I'm being nostalgic again, but this yields to, this lends to that, about the people at Friendship Church who have been family to me. We, we think about Betty Rylander. I'm sorry if you don't remember Betty. Betty was one of our matrons. But when Betty could no longer attend church because she was so old, we would go, Karen and I would go over to visit her and Warren would let us in and say, come on in. And Betty would be sitting in a chair and uh, with a stack of index cards in her hand. And, uh, and we'd come over and Betty'd say, Mark, how can I pray for you? And then she'd go through her index cards and she would pull out an index card that said Mark Gold on it. Are you praying for your pastors that way? Do you have a stack of index cards of people in your family that you're praying for? And I would say, well, Betty, you could pray for this this week. And she'd write it on the card. And Betty would say, Mark, every day, I can't get out of the chair. I pray through these cards. Betty and I are joined together by her commitment to pray for me and to care about me. I think about... uh, a gal that used to sit over here named Callie. And we had prayed for Shakopee to come to Christ. And there was a, there was a wall 
uh, I could give you a history of the wall of how we could not penetrate the youth, the, the youth people around Shakopee. And Callie came to the youth group and she went on a, uh, a youth trip with us where she learned to share faith. And Callie wrote a letter to Rachel. And she said, Rachel, I would really like you to know about Christ. And she came home and led Rachel to the Lord. Rachel's now married to Craig Larson, Rachel Larson. They're the youth pastors at the church where Karen and I attend now. Fitly joined together. And, uh, and Rachel became a screamer at, at uh, Shakopee High School for Jesus Christ. But we still didn't see a movement. Rachel went to this event the next year, learned how to share her faith, and wrote a letter to Val. And Val gave her life to Christ. And Val was the key to Shakopee High School. And scores of students at Shakopee High School began to come to Christ and attend uh, and begin to attend our youth ministry and became the second most significant campus in the youth ministry, fitly joined together Cal writing, uh, Callie writing Rachel, writing Val, who now works for Treehouse Ministries and, uh, and is leading kids in the metro area to Christ. Friendship Church, thank you. We're a band of brothers. Now, who are you writing letters to? Who are you praying for? We're fitly joined together. This isn't a spectator sport. We don't come. We're not users of this 58 minutes. Encourage me, challenge, you know. We're a band of brothers doing this together. I love uh, Jill Reinerson and Renee Gast. A couple of non-Christian girls began to come to the youth ministry. And they brought a young man from a non-Christian family named Sean Swinney. Sean today... uh, is pastoring an evangelical Anglican church in London. And for a while was the youth pastor of the largest evangelical youth group in London. Fitly joined together pieces of the puzzle that are all fitting here together. And I could go on. I'd love to talk about Eric and Julianne on their way to Africa next year. who Or, or next month. Um, Joe, help me out. They're on their way to Africa Okay, soon. Uh, Nate and Bethany, who are in Vienna right now. Nate used to sit right here. Uh, Greg and Corey, who were both interns, whose lives are on the line, fitly joined together uh, in the Czech Republic. Bobby and Danielle, whose lives are in Vienna. And I am not trying to offend any of you who are saying, well, well, what about Kendra? who's on her way back from Czech. She has to come back for six months. I'm not trying to offend any of you by what about, what about, what about, because I, 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 we could go on. But the scripture says a band of brothers, a local church, is fitly joined together. Uh, the family is fitly joined together. But then it goes on to say, growing. There's growth. Well, wherever there's growth, you know that there's hostility. Have you... Ever heard this horrible phrase? I just wish I wasn't in this stupid family. If you've had a teenager, you've heard something like that. Okay? I just wish I wasn't. I just wish I... Well, there's, there's tension in families. And uh, we grow together. The scripture, this particular scripture, uses the word, you used to have hostility. Well, if we're going to be a family, we're going to have hostility. And... Uh, 
I love, this is a, a, a website you can go to. There's 25 silly things that church members fight over. Before I became a Christian, my mom, uh, when I was a little boy, my mom would make us go to a Baptist church. They didn't go, but they would take us. But I learned that on Wednesday night, Baptists fight at their business meeting. And that was my favorite thing to go to because they'd have a business meeting. They'd yell at each other. They'd say things that I won't say. They would just, they would just go crazy. Listen to some of these. An argument at the church over the appropriate length of the worst pastor's beard. Let's vote on that, okay? A church, uh, a 45-minute heated argument over the type of filing cabinet to purchase, black or brown. Two or three or four drawers. A fight over which picture of Jesus to put in the foyer. Yes, let's fight over that. A dispute in the church because the Lord's Supper had cran grape juice instead of grape juice. Mm. Business meetings about whether the church should purchase a weed eater or not. Amen. All right. Some church members left the church because one church member hid the vacuum cleaner from them. It resulted in a major fight and split. Well, there's 25 of those. I, I just want to read. We get silly. We are a family. We are moving, we are going together, but there is silliness, there's hostility because I was a Gentile and you were a Jew and I dress like this and you, and I worship with my hands up, you worship sitting down, you worship kneeling and, and there's all kinds of hostility and the Bible says, Paul says now you're fitly joined together, your family and you're going to grow and so we're committed to growth. Uh, and being part of that. Uh, most of you will know what this is because it's August. And this is on your stove at your house right now because you're canning beans. Amen? Thank you, both of you, uh, who are canning beans. And you're canning tomatoes. I had to take this off the stove this morning. This is a great time at the Gold House. And uh, anyway, this is a pressure cooker for the 99% of you who don't recognize it. And the purpose of a pressure cooker is to super sterilize the vegetables that you're canning right now. Your beans and your beets and your tomatoes and all those things that you're doing. Science lesson, water boils at, class, class. 212 degrees, that's not hot enough to sterilize what's in the can, so you have to pressure cooker it, because in here, you can, because it's pressurized, you can raise the temperature to 250 degrees, which will kill the bacteria, which I have a half a gallon of in my body, I learned today. Anyway, uh, and, and so this takes it up to 250 degrees, and you're canning your tomatoes now. This is a modern pressure cooker. It has a relief valve. If something goes wrong, and for some reason it goes over 250 degrees, this flies off. You don't want to be standing around when that happens. Apparently, they didn't used to have these. I don't, I'm not that old. They didn't used to have these, but they used to talk about your canning beans. It went over 250 degrees. You weren't watching the gauge and the pressure cooker would explode. And the jars would explode and you would get beans on the ceiling. I used to sit down with families that were having trouble and use that as an example. Karen and I have to watch this gauge, watch this gauge, watch this gauge, watch this gauge to be sure that for the 30 minutes it goes on, the temperature stays exactly where it's supposed to for 30 minutes. If one of us leave, or if we aren't watching, or if we get distracted, the temperature will go way too high and get dangerous, or won't get high enough and get dangerous. So the question is, what are you doing to maintain the temperature? 
in the family were growing. And I would tell students, I would ask parents and students as we counseled together, it's everyone's responsibility in the family to maintain the right temperature. If we apply that to the church, it's everyone's responsibility to grow together to maintain the right temperature. Am I driving it up too high? Am I not driving it up high enough? What can I do to make Friendship Church as a family be a band of brothers, work better together? And finally, uh, with the moments that I have left, it says that God is growing us together, jointly fit together, growing, struggling with our growth things, fitly joined together into a holy temple. Now remember, he's writing this to Ephesus. In Ephesus, there is the temple of Diana. It's one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. There are over 5,000 practicing temple prostitutes every day in this temple. This temple is so magnificent, it can be seen from seven miles out to sea. When the sun hits it and it glows, and the sailors know we're coming into Ephesus. Everyone is amazed at this temple. It's a temple of Diana, the goddess of fertility. It's a pagan temple. So he's writing it to you people in Ephesus, you know this, but he's also writing it to the Jews who know the temple in Jerusalem where the Spirit of God is known to dwell. Used to be a tent, used to be a tabernacle where the Shekinah glory of God would come down. So magnificent, you couldn't look at it without being blinded. The smoke would come over. The t- God is in the temple, the cloud, and God is in the tabernacle. And then Solomon built it into a building similar to this. This is Herod's temple. And the people, Josephus writes about the wonder that this is. And people come from all all over the known world and talk about the God of the Jewish temple. And God says through Paul to, the, to, to Ephesus, look up here, look up here. God says to the church at Ephesus, not Diana, not the temple in Jerusalem. He says to the church in Ephesus, look up here, get this. And our lives are changed. You are the new temple. Friendship Church Shakopee. The people of Shakopee look up on the hill. The people of Prior Lake look up on the hill. And dwelling there is the Spirit of God. They talk about those people at Friendship Church are the friendliest people. Those people at Friendship Church are the most caring people. Those people at Friendship Church, the greatest compliment I used to get as a youth pastor from the teachers at Prior Lake High School, they would say, now listen to me closely because I got misquoted first service. The teachers at Prior Lake High School would say, you know, those kids from Friendship, they are not the smartest kids, or they're not all the smartest kids, but they are the best kids. We know that if we need somebody to go make friends with a visitor, we'll ask a friendship kid. We know 
that if there is a problem and we need somebody, we'll ask a friendship kid. The friendship kids' lives were changed by the Holy Spirit of God. And the kids at Prior Lake High School, they were a holy temple in the school as a youth group that would walk and be known as that light. Shakopee Church friendship. You are a holy temple. You are jointly fit together and you're growing. Now, what's your place? You see, the question is, it's your turn. Now it's your turn. You're the church. Now it's your turn. The apostles are gone. The prophets are gone. Jesus is the cornerstone in here. I was nostalgic. I would never want you to say, oh, those were the good old days. Oh, that's when so-and-so was a pastor. Oh, that's when we had. Oh, that's when, that's not the purpose of this message at all. The purpose of this message is to say to you, it's your turn to be a holy temple up on this hill for people to drive by, for people to walk in and say, because of you, because of you, I want to know Jesus Christ. For your neighbors to say, because of you, I want to know Jesus Christ. I walked in the door and seven people said, hi, my name is, welcome today. I walked outside. I thought I was going to leave, but seven people grabbed me and said, hey, talk to me. We're a band of brothers. We travel together. We fight together. We love people for the kingdom of God together. We're a band of brothers. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for putting me in a family. Thank you for loving me more and knowing me more than I could even, I would never dream that you would let me be part of Friendship Church and these wonderful people. Father, thank you for the cross, for saving me and putting me into this family. And Father, let me live in family like you've created me to, this holy dwelling. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen.